All right, well, happy Christmas Eve as we celebrate Christ's birth tomorrow, and we get to celebrate as a church today. We're going to start off in Luke chapter 1 about the uh, story of God sending the Savior to the world. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 tell us this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, because I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. And of course, tomorrow we celebrate Christmas when Christ was born in that simple <coughs> little barn while the world scurried around and Jesus was just comforted by his young mother and his father in the stillness of that place. But as we look back at Luke, I think it's interesting to realize a couple things that as God spoke to Mary, again, the angel says, do not be afraid. The angel tells her what is going on, and Mary's response is first one of wonder. Again, how can this be? But then her heart changes, and as the angel speaks God's message to her, Mary says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done, as you say. And I pray that prayer is for us, that as God ministers to us and calls us, that we too, even though we don't understand, sometimes God's beckoning upon our lives and the circumstances he allows us to go through that we would say behold Lord the bond servant of you may your will be done the other interesting thing is that the angel literally tells Mary of a miracle because the angel tells Mary of her cousin Elizabeth who has been barren but is now in her sixth month the amazing thing is Elizabeth is probably about 75 years of age ladies wouldn't you like to be 75 and pregnant? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty amazing even in today's age to have a, I have never heard of a 70 year old woman being pregnant. So God performs a miracle even then. And then as the story continues, as you read on that Mary will go to visit Elizabeth. And here's the beauty of that first visit. As we read that Christmas story and Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, the child within Elizabeth's belly, John, the Baptist, does something amazing 
when Mary shows up. Do you remember what the child does? What's that? It leaps for joy. Have you ever thought of this, that Jesus came as a baby, but the first one to praise him, to recognize him, to glorify him was also a baby? For those that believe that life does not start until birth, I would challenge them with that. Because it was the baby within Elizabeth's womb that leapt for joy and first celebrated the coming Christ into this world. It's Christmas Eve, and we are at the peak of our Advent journey back to Bethlehem. We've spent four weeks preparing for Christmas, as we call it. In anticipation of all that has been coming, we have checked our hearts, we've checked our minds, we've checked our spirits these last four weeks leading up to today and tomorrow to make sure we are of the right attitude, to make sure that we have come to worship God not only in spirit and truth, but in a rightful place, that we give him all honor, that we place the focus on him and not all the busyness and craziness and marketing and materialism of the world. But, la but like that first advent when Jesus was born, we find ourselves in a peaceful, still place as Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus were that first night. Just glad to have family, just glad to be in a safe place, just glad to have each other. And also on that first night, glad to have Emmanuel, God with us. Our hearts tell us that we should be people of generosity, people of praise and worship, of hope and peace and joy. As Jesus commands Jacob, we, we too are commanded in our hearts to be of good courage, and in the New Testament, to rejoice always, to be hilarious givers, as it shows us the condition of our hearts. In our minds, we spent the last four weeks looking at a biblical view of Jesus' birth, not a materialistic view, one that is unbusy, one that is not distracted, one that is purposeful and focused on the real reason for the season. And in our spirits, we adore Jesus and we worship him. We celebrate the Advent, the first Advent that is, and we anxiously look for the second Advent and the return of Christ. It's an amazing time of year. And although for many of us that are a little older, we have had this celebration year after year after year, but yet each season, it reminds me to renew my joy and have my mind renewed in Christ. That it's not about all that's in the world, that this life's journey is truly, really, but a vapor. Short. Limited. But yet our eternity with God will be unending. Where there is no more tears, no more pain. So let not those tears and pain invade our hearts now. Let not the sin and stress of the world invade our minds and our lives. But let us rejoice in the real reason of this season, that, that God has given us a most precious gift in Christ his Son, that God has sought to restore creator with creation, 
to reestablish a rightful relationship, to literally wipe away our sin, and to bear the burdens that we once bore, to give us freedom from the shackles of slavery and sin in our past, and to give us hope for a new future, something to anticipate, something to look forward to, something to live for now until that time comes, to prepare to be ready for when Christ returns. The long-awaited arrival of Jesus changed the course of human history and our lives forever. With the birth stories of Jesus in Matthew 1 and Luke 2, we learned that the arrival of Jesus was no accident, but was a well-planned out event in God's will. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God, not only in that time, but in the promises of God, and we look to have him return. <coughs> Jesus ushered in hope to a desperate and weary world, and we see that all around us, don't we? A world that is tired, a world that is stressed, a world that is run down, a world that is in a desperate need for a savior, and that is what we celebrate today and tomorrow. Over the past several weeks, many churches across the world like us have celebrated the season of Advent to also prepare. That as we realize that, we realize that in Jesus Christ there is one church, not many, bound together by his one spirit in the truth of God's word. May we remember that Advent means arrival. And tomorrow morning, is the arrival that we have been celebrating and building up to these last many seasons. It's the culmination of the Advent season. Today is the day that we remember and we rejoice that Jesus did in fact arrive just as God promised. We remember the simple verse again, John 3:16 it's the truth of the gospel and it's impacting if we allow it to touch our lives that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life the fact is we need the Christmas story don't we we desperately need the Christmas story. Sometimes we need it on a daily basis. Sometimes we need to share it with others. And at one point in our life, we needed it so bad that we finally bended the knee to Christ and accepted him through grace as Lord and Savior. Jesus did arrive and he brought us that gift of salvation, that gift of peace peace being made in our right relationship with God. And that is what we rejoice in today, that Jesus kept the promise of God. Speaking of promises, have you ever made a promise? Maybe a pinky promise, maybe a BFF promise, whatever it may be, maybe a, a promise to God that if he only saved you out of this situation, you would do this and this and this? Well, here's the next question. 
Have you ever broken a promise? Sadly, broken promises are the reality of our world, aren't they? A young couple stands at the altar and makes lifelong promises to one another in the best way they can. And then life comes and no one has trained them how to deal with the issues of life and emotions, how to be patient and graceful and accepting. And for over half of those couples in two years, their promises will be broken. High school friends who promise they will be best friends forever, but as life rolls on and time and distance strays into their lives, they are set apart and now they don't even know how to get a hold of each other anymore. A parent that promises their child that they will always be there for them. And then one day something bad happens in a life of the child and mom and dad are not there. And the child holds on to resentment and disappointment towards his parents or her parents from that point on. I remember a co-worker who, when we went through a time of company turmoil during COVID, was promised by the vice president that she would never be let go as long as he was vice president. Two months ago, after that, she was no longer there. And seeing her a year and a half later at the grocery store, she still held on to the anger of that broken promise. Then are those free loan commercials that promise no hidden fees until the bills come, right? There's a latest healthy food fad that promise you, promises you instant hair loss or instant hair gain, instant weight loss. I already got the hair loss down. Instant weight loss, instant hair gain, and super energy. And after three bottles of supplements and 12 weeks of hope and an empty wallet, nothing ever changes. And the promise is broken. Broken promises are all over our lives and our society. Broken promises hurt, don't they? We understand that because we have broken promises with others and others have broken promises with us. And we wonder if promises are ever kept by anyone, really. The Bible tells us concerning our word that is like a promise that it should simply be this, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. But yet we find struggle in doing that, don't we? Even in promises to ourselves that this year I'm going to, or I'm not going to do this again, and then we go and do it. You see, we expect others to keep promises. We expect ourselves to keep promises, even when we break them. But there is one person that we expect more than others to keep their promise. And that's God, right? We expect more of God than we do of ourselves. And that's okay. Because Christmas time is when we collectively remember that God did, in fact, come through not only with one of the greatest promises that he would ever give through history, but that God keeps all of his promises. God gives us a promise through the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before Christ was even a twinkling in his mother's eye. That for unto you a son would be born, a savior would be given. 700 years before it happened. And he went on to tell us through what lineage and where and how that savior would be born 700 years before it happened. 
man, I make myself a promise not to eat snacks and I break it within 24 hours. Can you imagine a 700 year promise? And yet God kept it. In Christmas, we not only celebrate the reason for the season and Jesus as Savior, but reality more so, we celebrate the fulfilled and kept promises of God where our promises fail, but He is never due. And it impacts us not only for the history that we know, but for the future eternity that we anticipate and wait for. That if God has kept all those promises, won't He continue to keep them? And in that, we have hope and peace and confidence because God keeps his word even when we don't. It all begins in the Old Testament when God decides to be faithful with an unfaithful people. And that's been our history ever since, hasn't it? That God does all the heavy lifting. God knows we will fail. God knows we will falter. And yet God says, I will cover you. Even when God meets Abram and calls him Abraham, and he makes a sacrifice to God, Abraham realizes one thing in that Old Testament story is that he cannot fulfill that, all that God is calling him to. But you know what God does in that story? God says, I will do my part, and I will cover your part. And in our lives, as we celebrate Christmas, that's what God tells us too. That I call you to be a holy people, a perfect people, a complete people. And we're looking around going, who, me? Huh? You're talking to me? We realize in that humility that we can't keep that up. We can't fulfill the perfection that God calls us to, can we? The completeness, the holiness. But through Jesus as Savior and the fulfilled promises of God, God says, I will keep my word and I will fulfill your part also. If you just accept my Son as Lord and Savior, I will cover your part for you as well. And that is where the unholy becomes holy, the imperfect becomes perfect, and a relationship is made right. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 to 9 tell us this. As God saw these failing people and called them his own, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. We read in the Old Testament that God redeemed his people of slavery after 400 years of being silent. And we know in our lives too that God has redeemed us from the slavery of sin as well. Deuteronomy 7, 9 tells us this, 
Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Wow. We make a peaking promise and it lasts a couple weeks. Can you imagine making a covenant promise that lasts thousands of generations? That God would keep his promise there, that he will be faithful and he will see his promise through to the very end. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken to the glory of God. Christmas is a day we remember the fulfilled promises of God. But not only just the fulfilled promises, but the completeness of those promises. As Jesus states in Matthew 5, 7, do you not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets? I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. When Christ came in that first advent and kept the promises of God, he not only fulfilled all those prophecies and promises of God, but he became the sheer essence of what those promises were meant to be. The fullness of those promises. So we look back this morning as we celebrate a few of those promises. Number one, Christ would be born of a virgin, and his name would be called Emmanuel, which means... God with us. This prophecy came in Isaiah 7, 14 to 15. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. 700 years before Mary was even born, God gave that promise. <coughs> and he gave a miracle that a virgin would give birth, and then God would name that child Matthew 1, 22-23 says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the Lord, through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Did God keep his promise of 700 years? Absolutely. A crazy, miraculous promise that seemed impossible. I mean, all of us know physiology. They even knew physiology back then that virgins don't what? Give birth, <laughs> right? Because if you give birth, you're not a virgin anymore. And yet Mary was a virgin and gave birth. And God called that child Emmanuel, which means God with us. God was with us in life. God is with us in death. God is with us throughout our daily task. God is with us in truth and in spirit. God is with us always this day God is with you this moment God is with you in tomorrow's celebration Emmanuel God is with you promise number two Christ was born in Bethlehem in that last book of the Old Testament Micah chapter 2 it says but as for you Bethlehem Ephrathah too little to be among the clans of Judah for you one will go forth for me to be ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from long ago and from days of eternity. And we see that promise of the prophet Micah fulfilled in Matthew 2.10 where it says, And the wise men saw a star, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now we know they traveled to see the Christ child, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. Luke 2, 4 says, Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because it was of the house of the family of David. We will go on in two gospels where the lineage of Jesus will be laid out in two different ways that for someone to fulfill that promise is crazy. It's crazy. But Jesus fulfilled all of that. And it's interesting that in that promise that God didn't pick the big city, the capital of the world. God picked a small, tiny, obscure place. What that says to us in that promise of God is many of us don't feel oftentimes adequate, good enough, and smart enough or skilled enough to do many things in this world, much less than what God has called us to do. And yet we see in this promise of God that as he chose the foolish things, the simple things, the obscure things of the world to bear his glory, that he also chooses us in our inability to carry forth that gospel message. He chooses us in our inadequacy to be the ones who would praise and worship him and spend our lives giving God glory. Many of us, in fact, I don't think any of us have ever been in the presence of royalty or a president, and yet God bestows upon us the privilege of being friends with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the God of Gods. The simple, the obscure, the inadequate, lovingly, gracefully, purposely, in the presence of God himself. What an amazing Christmas gift. Zechariah will go on to tell us of more prophecies. And in Luke 1, 68 to 70, we read, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and has accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David and in his servant, and as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, as of old, it all came together in the birth of Christ. These promises are meant, let me excuse me, let me restate that. These fulfilled promises of God are meant to inspire and captivate and motivate us. Because our lives are so shattered by broken promises all around us. And here is the God of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who says, I've made you these promises hundreds of thousands of years ago. And I've loved you enough to give them to you that you would see the fulfillment of them before your eyes. To know that I am in Jesus, your Emmanuel, God with you. You ever wonder why preachers go over the promises of God around Christmas time? It's because they should change our lives to realize that God loves us that much, that throughout the centuries, he would continue to keep his word to us, his fulfilled promise, that although we fail, God never fails us. And that should inspire us, shouldn't it? That should captivate our hearts and our souls and our mind of the vast love of God for us. 
When we read in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, we could almost change that to say, For God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten Son, that if you would believe in him, you will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, God in his promises made it personal, didn't he? He desires a relationship with you and I. Promise number three, Jesus is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of what? Peace. Peace be unto you. Peace not as the world gives, but peace as God gives. This Christmas season, as we remember these promises, may the peace of God rule and reign over your hearts and your lives and your mind. May you not experience anxiety and busyness, but may you experience peace this Christmas season. Isaiah 9, 6-7 says, for, un, for a child will be born to us, and a son will be given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You see, Jesus wasn't just the conquering king that conquered sin. He was our savior. Now, another question. I asked you initially, have you ever made a promise? And then I asked you a bad question, which was what? Have you ever broken a promise? Next question is, have you ever really prayed for something for a long time? Have you ever given up on that prayer? From Isaiah 9, as he gives that promise of a, son, a child to be born to us, a son will be given, do you realize that those people for 700 plus years prayed for the fulfillment of that promise and never saw it? They went to their graves believing in what was unseen believing in what they never got to experience, and yet they continued to pray for the fulfillment of that promise. The good news is for us today in that promise and our prayer of come quickly, Lord Jesus, we know that he has already come once, right? We have actually seen the fulfillment. So if you are praying for God to answer you, to speak to you, to heal you, to save your family, to do whatever his will is in your life and the lives of those around you, Keep praying because God answers prayer. He may not do it quickly as you and I call it quickly, but then again, we see this life sometimes as a long time. And God sees this life as a vapor. Here in an instant and gone in an instant. A twinkling in eternity. So keep praying. Because those people prayed for the promise of Isaiah to come forth. In some 700 years it happened. This is a time for us to celebrate. Luke 1, 
46 to 55 says this, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time and on for all generations, I will be counted blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and the Holy One is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with food and good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel as servant in remembrance of his mercy, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. In essence, Mary's prayer states this, God, as he has come, has made all things right. So we don't need to worry about the fairness or the rightness or the justice of this world because we see so many things that are not fair and are not just and are not right. But we must remember this, that God is still in control, isn't he? And when we see those unfair and unright and unjust things, to know that God is still keeping his promises. And there are more promises to come. So once again, that should encourage us and give us hope and inspire us that even in a world filled with sin, we know that God will keep his promise and will once again come back in the twinkling of an eye as in the thief in the night and bring his people home and reestablish all things in the way that they were meant to be. To wipe away all sin, all pain, all tears. And in that day, we will stand in the very presence of Jesus. And as we celebrated this morning in communion, we will once again lift that cup and that bread and dine with him in the celebration of that salvation. This Christmas season, may God fill you with his peace as you remember his fulfilled promises that as you see the Advent candle and the lights of the Christmas tree and the smiles and laughter of those around you, that you realize that this Christmas you have family, you have friends, you have a place of belonging that God has ordained and made that for you. It wasn't on accident, it was intent and on purpose that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to bring you salvation. Let us glorify God in spirit and truth this Christmas season. Amen? Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you as we get a chance once again this year to celebrate the arrival of Emmanuel. Emmanuel in our lives, God with us, that we are never alone, we are never forsaken, we can never be snatched out of your hand, but we have a hope of your fulfilled promises. As we celebrate the birth of Christ and his next coming, may we also celebrate with all confidence the fulfillment of your word and your promises in our broken world that we would not lose faith we would not lose hope we would not lose sight of that which is important in serving you and giving you glory in jesus name amen <clears throat>